and I'm going to say this, I am a health coach who is for the most part, pretty vocal about being Mm anti-diet. I don't think that diets are a solution for much, including how you feel about yourself Mm -hmm. uh, because there's always a smaller size. And I have known women who will lose weight. And one of the things that they love about losing weight is how much better able they are to engage with their husbands in that way. And man, that makes me kind of sad. You know, that you're in this covenant relationship. That's not covenant. That's conditional. Mm -hmm. You know, that to me, that's not, that's a contract. (laughs) Yeah. And it it is all mental. I'm only able to engage if I weigh 30 pounds less. Wait, what? Like that's, that's a hard one. That's where, again, the solution to improve body image to better mental health is not going to be a diet. And, you know, and I'm not going to go off on that today, but I don't think even... (laughs) The solution to a lot of health issues is a diet either, but that's... Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan-driving mom of four elementary-age kids. I'm author of the book, Compared to Who, and a blogger at ComparedToWho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hey, welcome to the Compared to Who podcast. This is Heather Creekmore, and today we're going to have a super fun conversation with a good friend of mine. She's a preacher's kid. She's a preacher's wife. She's a former educator turned reluctant homeschool mom. She's wife to Richard and mom of three, and she's a survivor of mental illness. Now she's a certified integrative nutrition health coach, and she's passionate about advocating for mental health through her website site, sparkingwholeness.com, and her podcast. You guys, you're going to love our conversation today because my friend Erin Carey is on the show. Hi, Erin. Hi. I'm super excited to be on. Yay. So full disclosure here, it's been hard for Erin and I to press record on this <laughs> session because we just keep talking um, mm-hmm. because there's so much. So Erin, we've known each other for a number of years now. Yes. And I got to know you through church, but mm-hmm. also through through the website, through Compared to Who, because you started writing for me. Yes. You felt like you had a personal story with all of this body image stuff. And I'm wondering if you would share a little bit of that with our listeners today. Sure. Where, where do you want me to start? Because there is so much. I, like so many of us, I have struggled with my body image my entire life. I remember, actually, I, I remember the moment um, I was eight years old looking in the mirror and at eight, I was kind of an early developer and I knew my body was changing. I could tell that, that things were feeling different, looking different. And I developed a little pooch on my belly. And I remember looking in the mirror, looking to the side, looking to the front and going, what is that? I don't like it. That looks like fat. And I wasn't somebody who, 
my parents were never people who talked bad about overweight people. It wasn't, I don't know if it was culture. I don't know what it was. And I still, to this day, like I pick my brain over that all the time. Like what made me think that this little pooch that I developed at eight years old was undesirable or not, you know, fashionable or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I even look in pictures, there are pictures of me wearing, you know, uh, cute little, whatever we wore back in the eighties, little dresses and stuff. <laughs> um, going to church and you can see the little pooch. And I think it's adorable looking back. I'm like, how cute was I in my little pre-puberty look? But I was so insecure about it. And there were various other things about my body that all of a sudden around that time, I decided that that were not desirable or not lovable or not worthy or whatever it was. I wanted to be popular. I always wanted to be popular. I was boy crazy for sure. Um, I wanted a boyfriend, which is so weird now that like at eight, what? And I think at, at some point, maybe through middle school, high school, I determined my value based on how much attention I was getting from boys and who wanted to date me or go out with me or whatever. And that continued on. When I met my husband, I had lost about 20, 25 pounds doing Weight Watchers. And so that really kind of messed with my head because we dated during this time that I was 20, 25 pounds lighter than I was before. And so I lived with the fear our first year of marriage that if I gain this weight, then he's not going to mm. want to be with me anymore, <laughs> which I know Heather, you relate to. We've talked Absolutely. about this before. You've shared your story in this way before. Yeah. And then I got pregnant with um, our first child together and I I did gain a lot of weight and guess what? He still loved me. And it was just this weird, there's so many lies I've believed my whole life about my body giving me value and defining who I am as a person. I even thought that I wouldn't have as many friends if I was in a larger body, which I had zero evidence, zero basis to believe that this is true. I have lots of friends of all sorts of sizes and I love them all. So I had no reason to believe that this is true about me, but I believed this lie. Um, so that's the the body image story, and in, in a really short, you know, package nutshell. I mean, I guess I could add in one thing that that I could go into is I was diagnosed with depression when I was in ninth grade. I was put on medication in tenth grade, and that medication was Zoloft. And if anybody out there has been on Zoloft before, it's, uh, weight gain is a side effect. And so I gained about thirty pounds between my sophomore year and the end of my junior year, and that was devastating for me. I was not you know, I, I was an active kid. I ate whatever I wanted to. It was just one of those weird things that I'm like, why is this weight coming on all of a sudden? And that also the medication kind of sent me too high into an upward spiral so that by the time I was a freshman in college, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder because I was becoming manic. And I think part of my mania came from just an obsession with food and dieting and body image. That was a manifestation, I guess, of my mania, hypomania, mm. because when people are hypomanic, they, they obsess over things mm. and, or they're extremely, there's a lot of religiosity or or grandiosity, which is thinking that you can do anything, be anything in a day. And for me, a lot of my obsessing had to do with my body and how I was going to look. And so I did extreme dieting and calorie restriction and, and all of these things that really made my mental health worse in the long run. It's so hard for me because my mental illness, which I share about so openly, is really tied into this body image struggle. It's really tied into this well, I don't feel, you know, worthy because of my body. Well, now I have this diagnosis and, you know, everybody's telling me I'm crazy. So now I really don't feel worthy. And then add into that depression and being a preacher's daughter. And at that time, 
the church wasn't talking about mental illness at all. And if it was, oh, you know, just pray about it. And it's like, no, 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 this is a physical disorder. I can't get out of bed. I'm writing suicide letters. I don't know why I have a pretty good life. I don't know why I'm sad. Don't ask me why I'm sad. I don't know what's going on. And so there's all this stuff going on inside of me during, I mean, from the age of eight to about 25, where I just it was a constant battleground for me between body image and mental illness and different medications and all of that. So does that answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> you, you've given us a lot of material, Erin. Yeah. No, so I want to point out because you all don't know Erin like I do, but Erin is over 30. <laughs> yes. I will be but, 40 in, in a year and a few months. I wasn't yeah. going to give away your age, girl. <laughs> but, but I wanted I wanted to make that clear because you weren't trapped in your bedroom with your cell phone and Instagram as a mm, teenager good point. when you were diagnosed yes. with depression. Like, yes. So just thinking about your story and then trying to think about what so many girls and boys are going through nowadays yeah, yeah. Um, on the mental health front. It's truly frightening. Um, and I, I didn't have my cell phone, but I will say I had an obsession with celebrities and people mm -hmm. magazine. Mm -hmm. And I would go, by the time I could drive, I would drive myself to Barnes and Noble probably once a week just to look at magazines. I never bought yeah. them because what's the point of that? But I would <laughs> just obsess and look yeah. and always looking at body. Like if I could find out, I remember Oh, at some point they gave away how much Jennifer Lopez weighed. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness. I thought she was like a normal weight, but she weighs way less than me. The camera really does add. So if I ever yeah. wanted to be a celebrity, oh my gosh, I would have to weigh, you know, just like crazy oh, yeah. stuff. So yes. yes. I did the same thing. I mean, I remember we watched Entertainment Tonight every oh, single night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh -huh. on at 6.30. Yeah. <laughs> night we watched well, it. Funny. And we had that. We had limited access. Now you can go on Instagram. Mm. Instagram is kind of a hotbed of comparison disaster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think even for me, I've had to learn to unfollow people because man, those images, you can have access to that at any time. And yeah, it's, it so was hard. one thing I think, I mean, even though in my mind, your mind, it sounds like as well, it was like, I want to look like that celebrity. Like I want to see how the celebrities look. I want to know what their weight is. I want to keep up with that. That was one thing, yeah. but in a way, maybe <laughs> somewhere in our brains, we were able to take comfort maybe in downtime, you know, at the truth of, well, not everyone looks that way those are celebrities. Right. And, you know, it was like, we didn't know what so our friends true. look like in bikinis uh -huh. with them <laughs> at the beach, yeah. right? We didn't yeah. see that picture. We didn't have the opportunity. You can't stare at your friend in a bikini at the beach, right? But, yeah. you, but on Instagram, you can stare, you can blow that sucker up. You can. Oh my gosh, post, that is know. so true. And, like, and everything's filtered too. Mm -hmm. Like Absolutely. our friends' pictures, my, you know what? You go on my Instagram, I have a very pretty filter. I put on everything because I want everything to look clean and the same yeah. <laughs> and to change the lighting, but it's filtered, mm -hmm. you know? So like we all, like everything is filtered. We live in a filtered world and it's kind of scary about what, what that's doing. You know, I have a teen daughter, but like, this is what they're facing. Yes. This is what they're up against. So yes. image been bogging you down for too long it's time to get free my friend go to compare to who.me take your free body image awareness quiz you will learn amazing things you'll get your results right away 
And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparedtoho.me. There's lots of great resources on that site. Articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. Okay, so let's go, let's go to a hard place first because your boy craziness. <laughs> you looked for affirmation early in yeah. a way that I think a lot of young girls are looking for affirmation. Um, for sure. Can you just fill that out for our listeners a little oh, bit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think that this is really important to talk about. Um, there, there are two parts to this, actually, that as I've been in lots of counseling, I've had to process. So one, I had a lot of insecurity with my body. And so by getting attention from boys, be that flirting or a deeper physical attention, that would help make me feel more valuable. The other side of it that I think is important to touch on is that one of the symptoms of hypomania is um, increased fixation on sex mm. <laughs> and, and wanting to engage in sexual activities. And that's something gosh, it's really hard to talk about in the church world because, and for me still, I struggle even talking about it now. I mean, I'm telling you, this is something that comes up in counseling regularly with me because there's a lot of shame with that. I don't know what is me needing validation and, and worthiness from men or what is me and a physical disorder that I had or it being a symptom of a physical disorder that I had. Because I think, oh, my counselor, she's a specialist in, in bipolar disorder. She said, I think it's 60, 70% of people with bipolar will have um, heightened sex drive as a side effect of mania, mm-hmm. hypomania, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. We don't talk about that. Yeah. So you put those two things together and then you add in what I discovered was a really, really awesome way to negate the negative side effects of my medication. And that was alcohol. You add that to the mix. Mm-hmm. And it's a recipe for disaster for me because um, I, I was put on meds, some pretty heavy hitting medication that I felt just numbed me out. And, I, you know, the problem with, with bipolar that's different from depression, and I struggled mostly, I think it's called bipolar one. I don't, I don't want to get that wrong because I don't even know my own illness. Um, but yeah, bipolar one is where it's more, it's categorized with more lows and just hypomania, not like manic episodes that have psychosis where I'm running you know, around naked or whatever it is. Some of the people who we hear about on the news who are bipolar have a different kind of mania. And so like, it's just a stigmatizing disorder because nobody understands it and it manifests so differently in everybody. But for me, it was very hard to be medicated because hypomania feels good. I get a lot Mm. of stuff done. It's Mm -hmm. full directed activity. It's staying up all night long, um, working on projects and writing novels and um, looking at the world and seeing everything in brighter colors and talk about filters. Like hypomania is a wonderful feeling. And so to medicate that made me feel like I was losing a big part of me. So I turned to, I guess I was around 21. It was my 21st birthday. I turned to alcohol because I thought, oh, now I can kind of feel like I'm hypomanic again. Now I get those feelings Mm. back. And so the problem with drinking (laughs) when you are taking those kinds of medications is it causes blackouts in some cases. It causes 
um, it's not healthy at all. Yeah. It's, it's very dangerous. And so I was involved in quite a, quite a bit of risky behavior. I was angry at God. This is in my, my college years. Everything just kind of came to a head. I, I went, you know, my freshman year, I kind of was wild. And then my sophomore year, I turned back to Jesus and got involved in all these Christian student ministries at um, different college. And I transferred back home. And then I got back involved with kind of a wilder crowd. And like, I couldn't figure out, I, I just couldn't figure it out. We, we all bat battle that, you know, like I couldn't figure out where I was and where I stood with my beliefs. But I was really at the end, angry at God, you know, my husband's a counselor. So he would say anger is a secondary emotion. <laughs> um, so maybe I was just sad. I was sad that I had a brain I couldn't control. I was sad that I struggled with something that none of my friends struggled with and nobody really understood it. And I, I was just sad at the whole thing. I had all these plans for my life and all these things I wanted to do, but I had an illness that was holding me back. So finding alcohol and finding, you know, a way to kind of numb, even though I, I, I was already numb by my medication, this was almost like a <laughs> getting into a false world or something led me to a lot of risky behaviors. And my senior year of college, um, I remember praying, okay, God, and this is a horrible prayer to pray. <laughs> He's very gracious to me because it didn't get worse, but I prayed, you're going to have to make something horrible happened to me because I'm going down a very dangerous self-destructive path and I can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't know how to make it stop. Mm -hmm. And it was, I, I prayed that it, again, like kind of a dangerous prayer to pray. And then about a month later, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter and talk about, you know, shaking my world. And I had kind of been living a double life at the time, you know, like I still would go to church on Sunday, um, maybe a little bit hungover, but I would go to church. Uh -huh. And um, that the danger in getting pregnant at that time too, is I was on medication that you are not supposed to get pregnant mm. while you're taking. Wow. And it was a really scary time. I think there were people in my life that suggested that maybe abortion would be a safer option, not just because of the potential birth defects, but also because I was in no way, shape or form capable of raising a child in this world. So I, I, I didn't choose that option. I didn't, for, it was weird. I, this is kind of a cool story actually. Back in the day before cell phones, I had taken, <laughs> I had gone to the doctor. I knew something was off. I knew it. Like the moment I was pregnant, I knew it. And so I did stop taking uh, the, the pills because I thought this is not going to be good. So I went and they did a blood test to find out if I was pregnant because that was going to be the most effective way. And I was at my parents' house. They were going to call my home phone at my parents' house because again, no cell phones. And so I was laying on my mom's bed, just waiting for the phone to ring. And the phone rang and it was my mom's uh, good friend. And she said, Hey, Aaron, will you grab your Bible real fast? And I was like, uh, okay, I, yeah, sure. I'll go get a Bible. And she said, look up. I think she was driving or I, I'm not quite sure why she wanted to, <laughs> but she said, look up the verse Zephaniah three seventeen for me and read, read me what that says. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll read it. Sure. And so I read it and I'm looking it up right now. Cause I, you know, even though I've said the verse a thousand times, I'm always afraid I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> but I read it to her and the verse reads, the Lord, your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And at that moment, it was kind of that game changing life transforming. Oh, he's got me in this whatever the outcome. And I knew the outcome. I already knew I was pregnant. I didn't need yeah. a blood test to confirm that. I knew it. I knew that 
gosh, oh, makes me emotional even now. And I've told the story a thousand times, but I just, I knew that he was going to be with me and he had never left me. Not during my, you know, my times when I hated myself and, and wanted to be somebody different. Not during the times when I couldn't figure out my medication. Not during the times when I was, you know, running around, partying it up and getting drunk and, you know, doing who knows what and waking up who knows where. Um, he had always been there. He had never left. And he, he wanted to sing over me. And he yeah. wanted to love me and nurture me during this time. And that was so transformative. And that got me through my entire pregnancy. It was, it was a really hard time. Again, I was, uh, am a pastor's daughter. And so living with the weight of, oh my gosh, you know, I was 22 at the time. And so it's not like I was a, a teen mom. I think that that always, that makes things even trickier. Mm -hmm. I was 22. I was about to graduate from college. Thanks to hypomania. I always did very well in college. And so I was, I was getting through college just fine, but just still the fact that here I was, I was working at a daycare at the church. You know, I was working at the private Christian school that I had graduated from. And now I, I had to reveal that I was carrying a, the weight of, of sin, you know, I, of something that I had participated in that was contrary to what I had grown up believing was the way that we should live our lives. And that was a big deal. But gosh, you know, so many people talk negatively about church people and how they're judgy and da, 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 da. I received more grace during that time from the body of Christ than I have since. And I, I love the church and I never once felt that anybody was judging me. And you know what, if they were talking about me, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but I had like three baby showers. I had more baby showers for oh. my first child than I ever had for my other two. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it, it was amazing. And I had, I was in a Bible study with these older women. I think they were all, the youngest was probably like 50. Like they, they were all significantly older than me and they just wrapped their arms around me. I was counseled by an amazing woman who runs um, a, a ministry called Living Alternatives in East Texas. And she met with me every week and we grieved and we talked over what was going on. And it was just such a restorative time for me. And you know what? The other way that God's grace showed up for me is that even though I had to go off my medications, I was still able to be on antidepressants. But even though I had to go off my medications, I was more stable mentally than I had been in mm years. And my mom is funny. She'll to this day, she's like, you should just be pregnant all the time because you're <laughs> so stable when you're pregnant. And it's funny. I've, I've read that about some people with even like autoimmune illnesses. They kind of yeah. go into remission when they're pregnant. Yeah. And I think that was the case for me. And I know that's not the case for everybody with mental illness. Cause I've heard many, many different stories um, that show that it's not just, you know, the case for everybody. But for me, it was such a good time of stability. And I just felt mental clarity. And even afterwards, breastfeeding, that's another thing. It's like, I hated, I had to stop breastfeeding my daughter early because of a, a milk allergy, but I was so stable then too. So there's something mm -hmm. about the pregnancy and, and breastfeeding hormones that the were hormones, yeah. great. And, or it was just God's grace and going, Hey man, you've been, you've been dealing with a really unquiet mind for years. Let me, let me give you a little grace on the postpartum depression. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, it's just, I, I think it was kind of a cool, cool thing that it worked out that way. So, um, I don't remember what your original question. Was. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, I wanted to just share that because yeah. I think that a lot of listeners can relate, maybe, even if you haven't struggled with mental illness, I think that 
the course you took is one that a lot of women who struggle with body image have taken. And I know I did it. I mean, I was looking for affirmation from the next boyfriend. Yes. Now God shielded mm-hmm. me in that, like I rarely dated <laughs> for, <laughs> for college. Like I went to a Christian college where the guys thought that they would just be friends until they got married, I guess, or something. Right. Or, yeah. If they were dating, yeah. it, it happened somewhere where I never saw it. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, then after that, I mean, once I got out into the real world, it, everything was very different. So I think that this is something, and women that I've, I've counseled and, and worked with in personal training, it's something that they've struggled with. It's like, oh, I've got all this in my past. And then yeah. kind of reconciling, I think, the fact that in a way, when you feel bad about your body, in some twisted way that the devil knows exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Like it does feel really good to get that physical affirmation from a man. For sure. Even as a married woman, even as a married woman, I struggle with that. I'm like, oh, oh, well, if, if he wants to, when we um, consummate the relationship, is that the nice Christian way? (laughs) If he wants to engage in intimacy and oh, uh, like my body's still, no, it's not about my body. Like it's not always about my body, but I still do that in my head to this day. And it's, you know, I'm trying to rewrite through counseling. We talk about catching these thoughts, you know, these old tapes that just go Mm -hmm. on and replacing them with truth and, and what are other things that we can say, but man, it is hard. And during times of stress, you know, they come back up with a vengeance because there are times, and I don't know if, if you feel this way, I'll be skating along, feeling pretty good, not really thinking about my body, not really thinking about what, you know, I, I mean, yeah, sure. Like I think about when I'm getting dressed, but other than that, I don't think about it. But then there are other times due to stress or due to whatever else that I am all day long thinking about my stomach roll mm-hmm. or thinking about, oh, and then pictures don't put me on the <laughs> end. You know, like that's another thing for, there are times when I'm like, oh, I'll be on the end picture. It's fine. But just the other day I was in a picture. Oh, I'm trying to remember when it was, maybe it was with my family because my sister and I have completely different body types, <laughs> very, very different. Uh, and she's, you know, has such a great relationship with food and has never dieted, never worried about it and just has a good perspective. So she's always like, what are you worried about? You look great. And I'm like, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't get the struggle. <laughs> She's like one of very few women that truly doesn't struggle in that way. Um, she struggles, you know, with other things, but that's not her thing. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, we were in a picture and I'm like, I don't want to be on the end. You guys, I'm going to look at this big giant, which why am I worried about that now? Who cares? Nobody looks at my pictures and like, yeah. wow, Erin is on the end. And so she looks ginormous. <laughs> that except for me. I don't think that about other people. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it rears its ugly head in strange times. Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think stress is a big one and I want to talk about stress in just a second, but you know what? I want to go back to something you said, because when you were talking about what what did we decide the Christian way to say it is intimacy, engaging and marital intimacy, Um, Uh my G rating here, (laughs) going back to that. So I found, and I want to know what, what you found on this front, but I found that the more I think about myself and my body the less yeah. I am able to enjoy that. And yep. that the that trick so there, because I, I mean, and you probably hear this too. Like I work with women that are like, no, I just can't. I say no a lot because I don't like the way I look yep. and until I lose this weight or mm-hmm. until I get back in the gym or whatever, like we're just not going to. And I'm like, no, you're killing your marriage. Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, what, what have you found on that front? Yeah, no, because personally, you know, what's funny is things were best when I was pregnant. Hmm. because I couldn't do anything. Like I had this big ginormous belly and that was a really eye-opening moment for me because, oh, it really, how I view myself during those times affects 
how engaged I can be. Mm -hmm. You know, as women, we struggle with, you know, our minds are such an interesting place. My husband and I, we teach a pre-marriage class. So we talk about the differences in men and women in intimacy anyway. And, you know, what do we say? Women are a crock pot, men are a Mm -hmm. microwave. Mm -hmm. There are all these different things that hurdles we have to jump over to get to that place anyway. But it was so nice to not have that body image one to jump over when I was pregnant. Like, sure, I was huge and things were different and, but it was so nice to not have to worry about that. I don't, I don't know. And so, yeah, I agree. And I think something else to note is that I've heard a lot of women say, and I'm going to say this, I am a health coach who is for the most part, pretty vocal about being Mm anti-diet. I don't think that diets are a solution for much, including how you feel about yourself Mm -hmm. uh, because there's always a smaller size. And I have known women who will lose weight. And one of the things that they love about losing weight is how much better able they are to engage with their husbands in that way. And man, that makes me kind of sad. You know, that you're in this covenant relationship. That's not covenant. That's conditional. Mm -hmm. You know, that to me, that's not, that's a contract. (laughs) Yeah. And it it is. I'm only able to engage if I weigh 30 pounds less. Wait, what? Like that's, that's a hard one. That's where, again, the solution to improve body image to better mental health is not going to be a diet. And, you know, and I'm not going to go off on that today, but I don't think even (laughs) the solution to a lot of health issues is a diet either, but that's. Okay. Well, let's, let's transition there. So just (laughs) so everyone knows. So you are now a certified integrative nutrition coach and you are helping people, you know, really figure out what's going on in their bodies. Like that's a genetic level even. I do love genes. Yes. And I, I was the, you know, because of my depression in high school, I didn't pay much attention in science class, but now I'm making up for lost time. I, yeah, I love talking about, I'm really into gut health, the gut brain connection. I think that fascinates me. Um, I really love talking about epigenetics, which is how um, it's kind of the, how our genes load the gun, but the environment pulls the trigger. Mm -hmm. So people are like, Oh, my genes just make me this way. And it's like, well, sure. Your genes have an impact, but your lifestyle, your thoughts that you think can transforms how your genes, you know, are expressed. So yeah, so I'm, I'm into all of that. I really, but I, but I am very, very, um, insistent, I guess I would say on the fact that there is no one size fits all Mm -hmm. to health and that, you know, what could be one person's way of eating could be the total wrong thing for another person. And we all need to find what works for us, which is really, really hard. But I think these days there's a religiosity in eating styles and it's like, well, I'm paleo, I'm (laughs) vegan. I'm, it's like, we've and I've talked about this before, um, I think on one of my podcast episodes, where we've taken the purity culture of the 90s, you know, true love weights, and mm-hmm. we've turned it into eating. Like, you are a pure Christian if you are eating non-GMO and organic. And like, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of those things. Like, I think it's important to nourish ourselves with what's going to make us feel the best. I think that that's a big deal. But the way that which we take it, it becomes like the purity movement where all yeah. we focus on is sex. Like that was, a, sorry, I said, it. I don't know if kids are listening, <laughs> um, but during the purity culture, it's like, we focus so much on the sin mm-hmm. that we've made 
that the ultimate. I think we do that with food. We focus yeah. so much on the food that we forget about the fact that our stress about our food affects the way we digest our food. Mm-hmm. And our toxic thoughts create toxic digestion and a body in stress will not digest. I love saying that because we don't realize that, that if you are in fight or flight mode, you are not going to be able to digest whatever it is. And I think that's kind of a bigger problem that's going on because we have so much information and everybody on Instagram is telling you what you should eat and what you mm-hmm. shouldn't eat. And you go to my Instagram, you're going to see tons of food pictures. I love posting food pictures because I really do love food, you know, but the obsession level, it's, it makes us, oh no, wait, if I eat this, well, yeah, if you're freaking out about whether you should eat it or not, it's probably not going to be digested well in your body. Absolutely. And that's that, that whole gut brain thing too. That's so important. Well, and I was, I was just thinking, so, I mean, you know, <laughs> I've tried all the diets, right? I know you yeah. have too. And yeah. I remember trying to be keto a few years ago mm-hmm. and, you know, and of course, like I was already doing this. So I was justifying it in my brain as like, I'm doing this for my health. Right. You know, I have an autoimmune disease. Yes. So mm-hmm. I need to do this for my thyroid and it's supposed to have good results for people with thyroid issues. Although only half the doctor said that the other half said, no, it would kill your yeah. thyroid. So yep. I remember going keto. And being so hungry one day and mm-hmm. being so tired of nuts. And I went mm-hmm. into my kitchen and I'm just like frantically looking for something because I'm starving. And mm-hmm. I remember looking at all the fruit we had in our fridge because my kids love fruit and mm-hmm. looking at the apples we had sitting on the counter and thinking, I can't eat that because it has too many carbs. Oh, and, that's and, the worst. And it was yeah. at that moment when I was like, wait a second this is crazy town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to just eat a freaking apple. Already. Yes. <laughs> like, like this is insane that I won't eat an apple. Like, yeah. what, what am I doing? Like, yeah, it's really healthy. I, I totally, yeah. And that one drives you crazy. Cause it's like, so, so we're saying that God gave us fruit and made it sweet on purpose. And yet he's like, I'm sorry, you're, you're going to have to <laughs> not eat that. Like I, that's just, yeah, it is crazy. And I think that's, there's this whole wellness paradox, right? That we want to eat better and improve our health through our eating and our nutrition, but also, and I don't know, you didn't really touch on this, but for me, I get into this, well, what's it doing for my weight? You know, am I losing weight? Like, even though I say I want to do it for my health, I say I'm eating better because I want to improve my health. Really. I'm like, are my pants looser yet? And that's just, and so my head, that's one reason I'm anti-diet and, and, you know, I will say there are a lot of people out there that are still promoting diets, but they're calling them lifestyle changes <laughs> or cleanses, or, you know, there are all these fancy ways that we've rephrased diets because nobody likes that word anymore. And it's still, if the end goal is you want to lose weight above all else, and you are not engaging in authentic community, like you're avoiding going out to dinner with friends because you know there's nothing on the menu that you can eat. Or if you get, and I'm not talking about from, there are people like celiac. Celiac mm-hmm. is, is an example of somebody that you have to be careful with, with gluten and all those. I'm talking about just, you know, we get so strict on things that are actually just fine for us, but it, it's now it's taking us out of relationship. Now it's taking us out of, or we're over-exercising to compensate for what we're eating. Now we're really stressing our body out and we're affecting our reproductive hormones. I mean, there's a lot of, there's, um, there are a lot of nutritionists, nutritionists, dietitians out there now that are talking about most of the clients that they see, they're not overeating. 
They're mm-hmm. under eating. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is our bodies are in a constant state of famine and your body doesn't know the difference between a diet or a famine. So if you're in famine mode and you're constantly restricting the moment that you go over whatever your limited calorie is for the day, your limited calorie count, your body's going to go, Oh my gosh, I got to store this. I need to store this. Cause I don't know when she's going to put me through famine again. And that is so dangerous. And that's when it's also super stressful on the body. And that's when we struggle with more digestive problems, more hormone issues, more, I mean, so much happens when we are constantly putting our bodies in this famine, fight or flight. um, And then the over-exercising. I mean, I don't think that most women these days need to be told to, nobody needs to be told to exercise. Most people are exercising. And I think most people are exercising too much, too hard mm-hmm. um, at frequencies that our ancestors were never, I mean, nobody was told 200 years ago to, to exercise and run for an hour. Like what? No, they were just doing their daily hard work. No, you, <laughs> you, know? you ran for an hour if you were running from some right. animal that yeah, was going yeah. to eat you. Yeah. Right? Scrub- <laughs> your workout, your strength training is like scrubbing, um, you know, the, whatever they did for laundry back then. I don't know. The washboard. Is that <laughs> yeah, what it's called? Washboards, yeah. yeah. Like that. Uh, we did a, <laughs> you know, I homeschool. And so we did this little, you know, simulated colonial town and we had to scrub some rags. And I was like, dang, this is kind of hard. (laughs) I wouldn't want to do this, but that's what they did. So yeah. 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 Well, and you know, you and I were were talking before we started, before I pressed record about that study that was done. I don't know, was it 50 years ago where they restricted calories for men? Mm -hmm. And so when I read this study, I just, I just saw it recently, but it made me laugh so hard because some of the outcomes of restricting calories and what you said, it was 1600 calorie diets that they put these men on. So basically they put these men on a diet and what they observed about these men is they became increasingly obsessed with food. And one of the outcomes just made me Mm -hmm. laugh so hard. It was that they started hoarding kitchen gadgets, (laughs) like buying cookbooks and like, over recipes. And I don't know, was there, there was more to it, but I was yeah. like, oh my word, that's the story of my life. <laughs> no, totally. Actually, I have it pulled up here because I forgot I had saved some information I put on it. And let me see if I can go back. The study was, it was a hundred men. They volunteered. Um, and these are men that were, had to be the highest levels of physical and psychological health. And so here's what they did. They did three months of usual eating habits, then six months of re- restricting food intake by 50%. So they were eating an average of 15 1570, 1,570 calories a day, um, they lost weight, but what it caused was they went crazy. So here's some of their symptoms, what happened during the semi-starvation. And y'all, under 1,600 calories, uh, most people who are promoting diets are promoting well under that. Yeah, 1,200 is what they're saying, which is- So look at the symptoms. So if you've ever experienced these symptoms, it might be that you're in starvation mode, gastrointestinal pain, dizziness and headaches, hypersensitivity to noise and light, swelling, decreased tolerance for cold temperatures, um, decreased heart rate, respiration, tingling, pricking sensations, uh, prickling sensations. I mean, visual auditory disturbances, impaired concentration, decreased alertness, decreased comprehension, poor judgment. I mean, there's tons more, more depression, more mood swings, anger, anxiety. Um, But let's see, what was the, oh, reduced social interest, withdrawn, isolated. Okay. But what you were saying, the increased focus on concentration, on obsession with food, they were hoarding coffee pots, hot plates, other kitchen utensils. Then they were binge eating. Um, had loss of control after they were able to go back to their normal way of eating. So a lot of times I think 
oh my gosh, I'm an emotional eater. No, you're telling yourself that you can't have this. And so of course you're responding to the fact that, yeah, so that's a whole other thing. Uh, One man chewed 40 packages of gum a day. Uh, Yeah. And it really- but you can relate to it, right? Yes. I know. I've chewed 40 packs of gum a day, Yes, (laughs) you know, because you're trying not to eat and you do all these, these things that make you crazy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's the things that, and and that's the other funny thing. It's like when you're, for example, keto, we'll take keto as an example. Um, I tried that too for mental health reasons, you know, because mm-hmm. I heard that it's, you know, helpful for mania, which my mental health was fine. I really didn't need to do it, but it was, it was an experiment. Um, and so I tried it and I found myself making all these weird concoctions of sugary, but like with a fake erythritol or whatever you call uh-huh. it, with peanut butter and butter and you mix it all together. And it's like, it would have been bombs. a lot easier. Yes. And it would have been a lot easier to just eat a cookie you yeah. know, and be, and move on with my day. Yeah. And so but, eating 20 fat bombs. <laughs> yes, totally. Like how is that health promoting when I'm, I, I don't know. And I, I've done that with lots of things. Like I choose these, but that's nothing new. Like remember snack wells in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, everybody's doing the low fat thing. Well, I can have 20 of these cookies cause they're low fat for this whole bag of popcorn. Cause it's yeah. low fat. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's so like, what, always do that. one time at my office, this is back in my twenties when I was working. I went. And I had these Slim Fast bars that I bought, oh, like yeah. the Slim Fast uh-huh. candy bars, and I had to go to the drugstore for something. And so I picked up another Slim Fast bar, and it was the one that's supposed to taste like a Butterfinger. And so I picked up a regular Butterfinger, and I brought it back to the office, and I analyzed like the ingredients from the Slim Fast <laughs> bar and the ingredients from the Butterfinger, and they were identical. Oh my gosh! And the calories so were almost identical too. It's yep. just the Slim Fast bar was smaller than the Butterfinger bar. So the calories per serving were less. And then I did a blind taste test with some of my coworkers (laughs) because I am that crazy. And I made them taste both bars and they couldn't tell the difference. It was again, one of those like aha moments for me where I was like, Oh my word. <laughs> I'm living it's, on butterfingers and yeah. chocolate milkshakes. Totally. And, but, you know, and there have been studies on that too, where, um, oh gosh, I was just reading it the other day where a group of people, they were given the same milkshake. One group, they were told it's only 180 calories. You're going to lose weight. The other group was told it's, you know, 500 calories, whatever. And you might gain weight eating this or whatever it was. Well, the group that was told that they were going to lose weight, even though they both had the same amount of calories in the milkshake, they actually did lose weight, (laughs) Um, even though it was way over. So there's a lot of power to the placebo effect in dieting. Mind over matter. Because 90, so 95% of diets fail, but I think they say the placebo effect is like, what is it like 50% effective and for anything for, I think they, they do that for pharmaceuticals, for, you know, for diets, for, for anything that we test on, there is a placebo effect to that. And our minds really are pretty powerful. And I, I don't know, you know, I still struggle with that, like in a, in a Christian way, you know, like, does this mean, what does this mean? If I, if I pray hard enough, <laughs> Am I going to lose weight? If I just tell God I'm thinking thin, I'm thinking thin, I'm, you know what I mean? Like I can go extreme with that, but I don't want to take it in that way. I want to just take it as you can control your thoughts about food. And if you're constantly afraid of food Mm -hmm. and afraid of an apple versus what, like a fat bomb or, or whatever, like if you're afraid of something that is found in nature, like that's something to evaluate and go, okay, what's really going on here? And for so many of us, it's maybe a control thing. Maybe we like that feeling of control. Mm. 
we look down on people who are who are binge eating and who are not exercising because it's damaging to them but then we promote these people who are losing weight maybe in disordered eating ways mm -hmm. and they're restricting it's like wow they have so much self control and i'm like is it self control or is it fear yeah you know, is true. it fear like people who are constantly counting tracking marking everything down they're thinking about their body going back to that all the time and weighing like i can't weigh myself every day. I used to weigh myself every day, but it's not as women, you know, we, we fluctuate like five to 10 pounds, depending on mm -hmm. what part of our cycle we're in. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I just think that there's so much fear behind our eating practices. And I think just relieving some of that fear and just kind of letting ourselves kind of learn to listen to our bodies and what is working for us. Like I know certain things that I eat, I'm not going to feel great eating them afterwards, Absolutely. you know, like yeah. pizza is a, I love pizza. I love pizza, but I don't always feel super awesome after eating pizza. You know, like I usually want a nap or I want to go to sleep and then maybe there's some digestive stuff, but it's, I'm going to let myself have that because if I say no pizza ever, 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 I, you're going to find me with two pizza boxes. Empty <laughs> I just ate all of them. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, so I think what you're creating saying, a healthy relationship with food. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is when I eat thin mints, I need to think these are making me thin. Totally. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then, and then the, the digestion will go better. Um, and you know what, but that's a good point too. The thin mints. So my daughter sells Girl Scout cookies. Um, she's like almost a, she's a sophomore in high school and still a Girl Scout, which is great and nerdy, but great. And so, <laughs> but we have a ton of those. And because we've always had them every year, they've lost their appeal to me. Huh. I don't really, they're not that great. But I think if I, I was saying, oh, I can't have those. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden what's, again, it goes back to the whole purity thing. Oh, yeah. can't do that. Well, now what am I thinking about all the time? It's a same thing for food. Oh, that's bad for me. I can't have that. Well, now I'm obsessing. Our, our brains are real tricky like that. Absolutely. And, you know, and really, so I've written about this before, but it's, it's the difference between religion and grace, right? So if yes. you make, if you try to make your relationship with God religion, if you refuse uh -huh. grace, if you make it about doing good and being good, you're, you're really not following the God of the Bible, right? Because yeah. the God of the Bible like sent us Jesus to save us from our sins and we need to accept grace. Um, and we need to realize that there's nothing we can do to be good enough, to be holy enough to meet God's standard. But if we, you know, kind of thinking about the way we eat, we kind of do the same thing. We make it a religion. We make it about being good enough to be accepted. We make it about following the rules and being perfect totally. on our diets and not falling off the wagon and all that stuff instead of just living a life of grace mm -hmm. in terms of the way we eat and giving ourselves grace, being kind to ourselves, not beating ourselves up if yes. we eat something that we thought we should never eat or, yes. you know, wasn't on our diet or, or whatever. And, you know, you're right. It's, it's just a mess that we've kind of gotten ourselves into and hey there how much is freedom worth to you that's kind of an odd question right when i was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image i would have paid anything i had to be free truth is i spent a lot of my budget on things i thought could help me be free like new diets exercise gizmos clothing but none of those things really helped i'm so grateful that god showed me the way out and now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. 
But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. And really, we talked about this a little bit a couple of months ago, just on Facebook, because you and I ran this group together that we're going to talk about in just a second. Yeah. But really, this whole diet culture thing is fairly new. Like mm-hmm. it started when we were kids, but before that, people weren't like people are trying to gain weight totally yeah to be hot right there were like weight gaining things you could buy so you could look better I mean so this is this is kind of a new thing and I don't believe that we've really seen all of its repercussions yet I I totally agree there are so many women that are way too young to have thyroid issues that have Mm -hmm. thyroid issues now and adrenal problems and all these things that used to be more rare and reserved for only people who were, you know, over 50 or over 60 mm-hmm. or, you know, postmenopausal. And now like women in their twenties and, and early thirties are having thyroid problems. I mean, yes. I have thyroid issues. And I think from what I've read and what I've seen, anytime you restrict food, you're hurting your thyroid. Yeah. And so we've hurt our thyroids with crash diets for, you know, decades. Mm-hmm. And now we're paying for that. And it's hard. Well, yeah, because I think a lot of autoimmune, those are, they would say they're inflammatory illnesses. Well, what causes inflammation in our body? It's stress. Mm -hmm. And what stresses our body out like nothing else? It's going back and forth with food and, you know, like, and, and then take on that, the emotional stress that comes along with that of, of thinking, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And it's so stressful and it's going to cause inflammation in the body and your body's going to start attacking itself. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's our spin class followed by an hour kickboxing class. Oh my gosh. And your body thinks that it's in stress mode. Like yeah. that's And you can much. do that for a while. You can do that for a while, like in your twenties, like you yeah. could probably handle that too for a l- but it is going to bite you in the butt for yeah. sure. It's at some point your body is going to rebel against you and be like, no, I don't like what you're doing to me. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to, because our bodies are looking for homeostasis. God has designed us so amazingly that we can heal from viruses and like these, all these things that are floating around all the time. He's built our immune system so well, like he's done all of this amazing stuff for us to keep living in this world and mm-hmm. to keep procreating and to keep on. And, but we continue to, as we have done since Genesis to think that we know better. Yeah. And so we do these like, no God, I don't really like how you made my body. So I am going to go try to perfect it this other way. And I'm going to trust hundred calorie snack pack that was created in a lab by humans over an apple because that has too much sugar. You know, like we're like, ah, no, no, no. I got this God. Like that's what we continue to do. And it's, gosh, it's so good to sit there and process your own. What is my relationship with food and my body and dieting? And where has this journey taken me? And at what point am I going to stop? Like, am I going to be 65 you know, well, in our culture, what, you know, 50 is the new 25, right? right. So, but am I going to be 65 and going, well, that one didn't work. Here we are on diet number 90. No, like I don't want to live my life like that. And so there's got to be a way to 
find freedom from this bondage. We were joking before that, um, I'm not joking, like it, it's serious. Like there is so much bondage and body image issues and, and this, and even dieting. I think dieting is, is, is a lie. Um, it's be, because it, it just takes over us and that's all we can think. And we put our trust in the plan and we put our trust in the diet. And cause we know, we think we know better. Oh, it's, it's so hard. And I'm saying all this because I have been there and I, and I'm still, I'm still working through this. Like Last night I was talking to my husband about, I was in counseling yesterday. And so last night I was processing with my husband, everything I talked about in counseling and these lies that I've continued to believe. And it's, it's crazy. We've got to take our thoughts captive when it comes to these things. And well, absolutely. And I believe that what, what I'm finding at least is we have increasingly a generation of women who spent 20, you know, maybe even more 30 years controlling tightly what they look like with you know, yes. ultimate control of their body because in your twenties and, you know, maybe to some extent in your thirties, through your thirties, you can control that. Better. Totally. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they hit 40, 45, 50 and their body's like, uh-uh, sorry, <laughs> I'll take yeah. over from here and keep yeah. you alive. And you're totally want to keep anymore. you alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to diet anymore. You're yep. not going to lose weight like that anymore. You're not going to exercise like that anymore. And I think it can create a crisis for women, right? Mm-hmm. Because if your identity was in your ability to be thin, <laughs> yeah. if your identity was in being able to wear a size four or six or whatever your magic number was, mm-hmm. if that was your identity and you hit 50 and you can't get there anymore. I mean, that's, that's devastating unless you're able to kind of peel back the layers and see that God has made you for such a greater purpose than looking good in a bikini, (laughs) you know, that can you imagine at our funerals, like somebody standing up there and saying, she did such a good job perfecting her body. You really, I mean, so hot. Gosh, no, that's not what anybody says at funerals. Yeah, that's not the main, that's not the most important thing. Well, so as we wrap up today, so you and I did something super fun in January and we're going to do it again. We did this group, we called it Refocus 2020. And we kind of took, I don't know, our our best of, if you will. So I gave tips on, you know, defeating body image from a spiritual perspective. And you came in with just super practical stuff like breathing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which friends, I know that sounds silly, but let me tell you, breathing has changed my life. Yes, (laughs) Like like my Apple watch tells me to breathe and (laughs) I still look at it like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. I don't have time for that right now, but, (laughs) uh, but you know, just some super practical ways to deal with food, to interact with food, to think about food, to become more mentally healthy. And so you did that and I did my part and we did what we do 10 days. It ended up being 11 because we're not good with calendars and yeah. counting uh-huh. apparently. Um, yeah. we did like 11 days videos and interacting on Facebook and it was awesome, wasn't it? It, yeah, it was kind of like a body image boot camp. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to talk about it. <laughs> you know, it's, um, ooh, maybe that's that. what you call it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for, you know, next time. It was very much, and I do talk a little bit about the nutrition stuff, but I talk about it in, in a positive way because, you know, we don't want to be thinking about what we can't have. We want to think about what we can have. And so I, I bring in some of those tips there that I've learned just as I've worked through this myself in an anti-diet perspective. Um, and then the breathing and 
it's really just a, a little bit of everything. It, it was, it was great. We had some great feedback. Uh, there are people that thought it wasn't long enough. So are we going to extend it this we're time? We're going to fix it. Yeah. We're going to yeah. make it better, bigger and better. We're Texans. That's, right. <laughs> That's we our motto. Are. <laughs> That's so true. Um, yeah. yeah. We're going to make it bigger. We're going to make it better. And we're really hoping that you'll join us next time. We're going to do this in March. I think we're still trying to nail out the exact date, but mm -hmm. I will have information, um, on my site and Facebook, and I know you'll have it too. Facebook, Instagram, all those places. So you can sign up and you get the chance. I mean, I think Aaron, we're pretty fun to hang out with. I so, think so. Yeah. I think we're really smart too. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, but I, you know what? I, I do think that you will find in working with either Aaron or myself, that you're working with two women that aren't afraid to be real and say, oh yeah, yeah, I totally get what you're saying because I think like that too, or I've thought like that too, or I've done that same kind of silly, maybe stupid thing <laughs> for a long yeah. time too. So we get it. And I don't know, I know your heart is the same. Like we just want to help, just help women find freedom. We wanna, yes, you know, absolutely. We, so we were kind of wrestling with what to call our March group and whether or not it was like a march into, you know, march out of bondage or whatever, but we really just want to help see women be free of all this. So yes. I hope if you're listening today that you will consider signing up for our group. It's super easy. You can do it you know, on your own time. You don't have to keep pace with us. If you want to interact with us, you know, keeping pace is a little easier, but you can watch the videos when it fits your schedule. We're going to do like a live Q&A. So it'll just be a great time. So I hope you'll consider becoming a part of that and getting to know Aaron even better. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. It's gonna, it was such a good group for me to start the year off that way. And I think so many of us are probably, you know, maybe you have tried cutting back on some things in January and you're realizing, Ugh, that was limiting. That sucks. This is just in repeating, you know, insanity, the, the insanity cycle, doing yeah. the same thing, expecting different results every single time. And so it's time to kind of break out of that, break free from that. Amen. So if you feel like you fell off the wagon, Aaron and I want to help you live a life where you don't have to get back on the wagon again. Yes, no <laughs> wagons. Let's stop talking about wagons. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show today. Fun to talk to you as always. I think we'll- No, thanks for having me. This is so fun. I think we talked way longer than we yeah, said. Yeah, we, we did. And there's like a whole lot of things we didn't even get to. So we'll have to stay tuned for part two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> my interview with Aaron. Okay, well, thanks so much for listening today, Aaron. Thanks for being a part. I will put uh, where to connect with Erin. She's got an awesome podcast you guys are going to want to listen to. It's called Sparking Wholeness. So I'll put links to that and her website up on the show notes and on my page um, so you can connect with her. Thanks again, Erin. And that's all for today's episode. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.